Welcome to Leadership Talk podcast. In today's Leadership Talk, Pastor Priji converses with Zach Cherian, senior pastor of Brazen Grace Fellowship, San Antonio, Texas, on how a true leadership is not about influence but calling out people's value. Stay tuned to learn more. Welcome to Leadership Talk podcast. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We have a very special guest all the way from Texas in the United States. I am very delighted to have Pastor Zach Cherian, who is the pastor of Brazen Grace Fellowship in Texas. And he has had a lot of experience of being exposed to many ministries, men of God, walking in different dimensions and levels of relationships and understanding what leadership truly is. So it's our joy and privilege to host him on the podcast this morning. Pastor Zach, thank you for joining us. And would you take a moment to just greet our listeners before we go into the conversation? Absolutely. Pastor Bridget, thank you for having me. It's truly an honor for me to be with you today. Um, and your amazing listeners that are listening. So I want to I say hello to everybody. It's great to have you. I don't believe in accidents. Um, I truly believe that if you're listening to this, that there is something specifically for you in this podcast today. And I, I truly believe um, that everything begins with, with information and revelation and then comes transformation. So uh, I am hoping that what is said in this conversation between uh, two guys will truly be something that will catapult you into your destiny. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with that, Pastor. Uh, I'd like to know your story a little bit. Uh, and I'm sure that many of our listeners would love to understand as well. Uh, we'd love to know how you got saved, how was your encounter with God, and how did you uh, see yourself back then? Did you ever envision yourself as a leader with influence back in the day? And how did the transition happen from where you began to where you are today? Absolutely. Um, I think uh, I, I, will, I will lay this first. You know, we, we hear oftentimes people say that leaders are born. You know, that guy was born a leader. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's any truth to that. What we're doing is we're judging the personality of somebody mm. uh, and determining whether somebody is attractive based on a very outward judgment of their personality. Mm. I really believe that uh, leaders are developed. Uh, leadership yes. is developed too. And so therefore, um, you know, uh, I grew up an incredibly introvert, shy little kid. Um, but yet, uh, the dreams of God were always on the inside of me, and I dreamt, I dreamt big from the time I was a little kid. Um, mm, to mm. give you a little background of where I'm from, I was born and raised in the city of Hyderabad in, in, um, in India, uh, born to missionary parents who loved the Lord, served the Lord. Faithfully, mm. I was the second kid, and um, uh, we grew up incredibly poor. We grew up incredibly poor, um, and as I, as I say in humor, my, my, my folks believed that money was the devil uh, mm. and so we didn't have any devil in our house you know mm. uh, and so we we grew up very poor but I, I knew that they put the word of God in me they loved God we came from a very uh, my mom comes from a very Pentecostal background my dad comes from more of an evangelical uh, mm. side and so we grew up somewhere in the middle uh, mm. but growing up as a missionary kid uh, it comes with its own challenges preachers kids are known to have you know their own testimony uh, yeah. I I took things very differently because my dad was never at home. My father mm. was always out preaching, always out. So I literally saw my dad maybe 30 days a year. Wow. Mm. And so I, I say that I was raised by a single mom. Mm. 
and a mom who's trying to be a dad and a mom trying to raise two what seemed like demon possessed kids back then mm. uh, and try to make sure that they keep on the straight and narrow um i went off the deep end very fast because i believe i was looking for a father i was looking for a leader and mm. because i didn't find it at home i found it in the world Mm. Uh, I immediately was drawn to people of influence. I was drawn to people with authority, mm. uh, and and I got into a lot of mess in school. Got into a lot of fights. Uh, was attracted to uh, to leadership, and the only leadership I found at that age, where I was, was in the gangs. Uh, mm. And so I was very mm. drawn to that. Uh, got taken in. Long story short, really messed up my life because I hated God and I hated my parents and. any any idea of god or christianity reminded me of being left by my dad and so even my revelation of god came from a father who would never be there for me uh mm. and so i i struggled with a lot of identity issues struggled with a lot of things growing up um mm. until in 1993 a youth pastor from a church came to my house to minister to my older brother accidentally walked into my room and my room was this dark gothic uh almost possessed little room of mine um and uh, the, the holy spirit spoke to that guy and said i did not send you here for the brother i sent you here for zack and for 6 months this youth pastor mm. absolutely hunted me down on a daily basis and i hated him i would call him all kinds of names mm. i would question his motives and why are you here man what do you want from me i was a little kid um but 6 mm. months into him pursuing me with the love of god Um something very tragic happened a lot of things fell apart in the world that I was involved in I lost a lot of people all on the same day the government was cleaning up some things uh I came to the end of myself was really really suicidal and I remember being in my room in 1993 and um I remember telling whatever was up there I said if this god that Joe was talking about is real now would be a great time for you to reveal yourself to me and mm. thank god in that moment i felt like god revealed himself to me in all his love and all his goodness and i was completely transformed i just uh, remember waking up the next morning and everything was the sky was blue the trees were green it was it was just a transformative work of the holy spirit in my life uh, i suddenly found i suddenly found and fell in love with god and then began the the journey of finding out who i am and and mm. you know oftentimes we we come to jesus we fall in love and then religion puts all the other stuff on us yeah um and and i i went through that process of religion absolutely messing things up somebody mm. recently somebody recently told me young man that got saved in my ministry he said pastor i miss i miss the jesus before i got saved <laughs> you know because he was a lot nicer yeah and we 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 introduce god in his true identity before people get saved and as soon as we get saved we put religion on them and say but well, now if you mess up he's going to judge mm. you burn you and throw you out yeah. um and it's all and when he said you know i miss the old jesus i got that I got mm. that. Anyway, so I began my 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 walk with Jesus in 1993. Got involved with my local Assembly of God Church in Hyderabad. Mm. Served there for a few years. I mean, I, all I knew was the ministry because there was no dad at home. So church was all mm. I did. I grew up at home. I lived at home in church. I mean, I grew up in church. I lived in church. I served in church. And so when it came time for the pastor to find a, a guy with a with a heart for the youth. I was the most available guy and he said mm. why don't you serve in the youth ministry that's how my ministry began in 1996 
Wow. A few years later, I, I moved to the city of Pune, where my ministry moved there for a couple of years. It was during my time in Pune that mm. my fiance at that time had moved to the U.S. And the Lord spoke to her um, about me moving to the U.S., which I hated the idea of completely because I really mm. felt like India was where my heart was and where that's where God called me. Mm. Uh, but God had a much bigger and a better plan. Um, wow. and, and, and in 2002, early 2002, about 19, 19 and a half years ago, God moved me to America. I got to work with a local church um, in San Antonio, Texas, uh, a kind of well-known pastor in the U.S. His name is John Hagee. I started at the very bottom. We can go into that story if, you, if you'd like. Um, started at the very bottom, but God opened doors supernaturally, and then I uh, ended up mm. being the worship leader of that church for seven years until um, God released me to start this international ministry that we're a part of and have been doing now for the last 11 years now. Wow, wow. What a, what a story. I'm sure that this is possible only when we yield to what God can do in our life. And you mentioned this, that you were naturally an introvert person. That was your normal, natural personality. And for God to take a person who is introvert or uh, a person who doesn't enjoy people as much to now start serving people, that's that has to be an act of God. And, and you did say it right that uh, we are not all born leaders, but we are develop to be leaders so could you add a, a little more light on how was that shift for you once you wanted to start serving god and uh, did you find your personality stand in the way uh, or get in the way of you wanting to serve god or be there for people or love or do whatever god had asked you to do right i think one thing that happens when we give our life to the lord is we you know, all our personality, no matter how introvert our personality is, everything that is our personality still comes from God. So yes. there's obviously an aspect to God that has that. And yet he mm. has the ability to reach out to and love on all mankind all at the same mm. time. And yet all on an individual level, too. So uh, I believe if a personality becomes an excuse to us being used by God then the personality needs to bow its knee. Um, the mm. truth of the matter is, um, as I started to understand and read scripture and, and, and grow in this thing of, you know, you know, submitting to leaders that God had placed me under at that season, um, naturally a love for people started to grow in my heart and, and mm. a, a natural yeah. desire to see people fulfill their destiny. Like even today, I, I serve as a pastor of a beautiful church here in San Antonio. We have a very um, amazing and successful international ministry around the world, uh, different things that God does. Um, and, and God's really blessed us incredibly. But the truth of the matter is, uh, if I were to find time to be alone, I would love it. <laughs> mm. You know, uh, I'd love to I'd love to be with myself. I, I still love my time alone. But what happens is your heart changes and all of a sudden you want to raise leaders. That's right. my passion. My passion is leaders. It's, it's my desire to change leaders. It's to train leaders. And so we do a lot of leadership training. Um, that is even to this day, even as, as a leader or even in the apostolic ministry that God's called me to, one of the big things that is that I'm a part of is training leaders. And, you know, 10 years ago, when I, when I left Pastor John Hagee's ministry, God started bringing in a bunch of, uh, you know, young people with that had no sense of passion, didn't know where they were going in life, you know, came into my house, ate my food, finished my money. You know, for 10 years, they kind of, you know, stuck around. And, and, you know, my poor wife, bless her heart that she had the patience to put up with all these people. Wow. Uh, but one thing we did is we invested in people's lives. We invested mm -hmm. and loved on them and called out the potential in them. 
mm. um, called out the destiny that God has placed in them. Mm. And I'll be honest with you, 10 years later now, our church, I do so little in that sense because I get to handle the international, uh, you know, the larger, we also have a lot of business and stuff that I do. And, and God, God has helped me focus on the bigger picture and mm. these people that earlier came in that didn't seem like much in the beginning mm. are now the pastors, leaders, coaches, youth pastors, worship leaders wow. of our ministry around the world. And it, it's just the greatest joy to see mm. what God can do. Let me give you a little example of um, in 2007, while I was at Pastor John Hagee's church, I went through a very strong transition. Um, I was in ministry. I was serving the Lord. I loved God. I'm at a church of 25 to 35,000 members leading mm. worship, you know, doing life, doing the big life, what uh, what I call the TBN life, right? You know, I'm, I'm traveling mm. with my pastor on the private jets. We're doing all the great stuff, traveling all over the world. What seemed incredibly successful in, in, in the mm. religious world, and yet I was dying on the inside. I was absolutely mm. burnt out. I was miserable. My, I was a miserable husband. I was a miserable leader. I was grumpy. I knew how to get stuff done, and yet mm. I did it. And, and I came to this crossroad, and I'll, I'll talk about two things that happened to me. But I came to this crossroad where I just said, I can't do this anymore. And, mm. uh, you know, I, I, was a, I was a fiery young youth preacher. So while I would lead worship with Pastor Hagee during the week and the weekends, on the last two days, Friday and Saturday, he allowed me to travel and minister in different conferences and churches around America. So I did that. But I did what I was told to do growing up in my Pentecostal background. And no, I'm not, I'm not calling names on anybody, but that's just, the, that's just what we were taught and that's what we were told. That mm. our job as youth pastors is to call out the sin in people and hopefully they will repent and then they mm. will turn their ways and they will fix their life. And so I would go to this conference up in the Northeast three years in a row. To, mm. you know, for three years in a row, I went to this conference fully intending to touch and change lives. Um, mm. And I would go there and I would do what I did all my life in ministry. I would stand mm. on the pulpit, preach a great sermon, call out every sin I could possibly think of. And mm. the young people would hit the altar, repent for their sins. And I would go back to my hotel room feeling really special, thinking, mm. thank God for the harvest that we had. I came back the next year and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm preaching the same sermon, except I add a little masala to the, to the sermon because I preached, I preached against it already. So now I had to add some spice to it. Mm. And I call out everybody's sin and the altars were packed again. Now, there was only one problem. I felt really good until I looked a little closer and I realized, wait a second, didn't all of you repent last year? It's the same young people <laughs> hitting the altar all over again. Now, I could take that and put it in a newsletter and say 300 young people gave their lives to the Lord, but I'd be lying. Right. Truth of the matter is these right. were the same people from last year. I came back the third year and the third thing happened. The third time, the exact same thing happened. I was already going through such a crisis of my faith and my own heart. I went mm. back to my hotel room. I shut the door and I said, God, I'd rather quit this and go work in some business. There's nothing happening here. We're just regurgitating, recycling the exact same messages, the same people. We're not touching mm. the world. We're not changing anything. And yet we put numbers out there like we're changing the world. I was so burnt out. I was so tired, Pastor Preji. And, and, and I remember going to my room, shutting the door and says, I'm done. I'm never preaching again. I can't do this again. Mm. And I felt like God, I, I don't mean to take this into a more spiritual angle, but I felt like I had an encounter with God in, in that moment where God took wow. me, uh, the Lord showed up in my room and, and encountered me in a great way. And the Lord spoke to me and he said these words. He said, Zach, all you are doing is telling them who they think they are. Mm. And then he said these words to me. He said, stop telling them who they think they are and start telling them who I say they are. Wow. Wow. Now, I, I, I've, at this point, I was in ministry 15, 14 years serving God faithfully, preacher's kid been in faith all my life and I remember looking back to the Lord and saying 
I don't know what you mean. I thought I was mm -hmm. doing what I was told to do. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, Zach, when I see people, I don't judge them based on what they do. I judge them based on what I created them to be. Wow. And see, when the Bible, if I may just quote scripture, you know, when the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation. We turn those scriptures into conditions and expectations hmm. when actually what they are are declarations. Hmm. That's God seeing me no matter what I am doing or how I look. He sees me in my condition and he declares over me, Zach, you're not acting like it. You're not behaving like it. But this is what I say you are. You see, when we as believers get sick in our body, we still confess I am healed. Hmm. Right. But yet when it comes to all other aspects of our lifestyle, we tend to hold on to what we do as hmm. opposed to who God says we are. The truth is, if I can accept what God says I am, then I manifest it. And then my lifestyle conforms to the word that I accept. It comes first by revelation. Speaking in, in, the, in the terms of leadership, I think what we've done oftentimes is we've looked for what people are good at and what people are not good at based on our perceptions. And so then right. we seclude people into groups of you are good for this, so you may be used for this. You are good for that, so you should be used for that. But I'll tell you, the way God picks leaders is very different. I've yeah. been doing a whole new initiative with my leadership team called uh, Leadership Reinvented. Mm. Um, and I and I'm 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 a, I'm I want us to look at the concept of leadership through a whole new lens because all my life, great leadership coaches that have poured into my life over the years taught me that leadership is about influence, right? Everything mm. rises and falls on leadership, and leadership mm. is all about influence. I'll be honest with you, Pastor Preji. After 25 years of leadership, I'm changing my definition of leadership. I don't wow. believe leadership is about influence. I think leadership is about giving value. Wow. Leadership is about giving value because if leadership is only about influence, then we become what's called a productive. We become all of our productivity. So mm. now I am I become the slave master that uses people as a means to an end. Mm. See, leadership is not me just finding people to get stuff done. That just makes me right. a slave master. I believe the concept of sonship and fathering in the kingdom is so important that it's it's me finding somebody that nobody else sees potential in, that nobody else sees, sees ability or value in. And you mm. speak to that and call that out of them. Call something right. out of somebody that were, that is not. And all of a sudden, now you start seeing people walking in the fullness of their destiny and their purpose. And I, and I really think there's something to us not going by the outward. So, you know, in the church world, let me put it this way. In the church world, when the prophets would come to our churches, if you remember, the prophets would come and, you know, they always had a prophetic word for somebody in the church. And it was always the kid that was in the altar dancing and worshiping the hardest. Hmm. Right. And then the prophet would say for, oh, brother, the Lord is saying there is a hand of God on your life. I see hmm. a great call of God on your life. The prophets hmm. never prophesied on the loner guy sitting in the back of the room who had hmm. no interest for God. Right. But if, if Jesus were to walk into that, Jesus would walk into a, into a, into a tree, look at a Nathaniel, an absolutely hmm. guy with no perception whatsoever. This hmm. guy couldn't even see who Jesus was. Could anything good come out of Nazareth? He's judging wow. Jesus as being absolutely useless. And then Jesus right. looks at this fellow with no perception and says, I see a man with no guile. I see a mm. man. And, and you go, wait, Jesus, hold on. You, you, you're, you're totally missing out on this picture here. I think mm. the way leadership works in the new covenant 
is very different from how leadership works in the old covenant. The old covenant is yeah. an outside-in paradigm. The new covenant yeah. is an inside-out paradigm. It's me seeing the potential of somebody that's on the inside and calling it out. And this is why I think it is really important because we as the church, when it comes to the area of leadership, have mastered the art of getting a revelation of who God is. Mm. But we yeah. have completely failed in getting a revelation of who we are. You right. See, while the revelation of God is important, I don't think God is having a bad day. He's mm. not, you know, he's not there going, oh, you know, I'm feeling a little low today. Can you tell me who I am? Can you, mm. can you sing a couple of songs and tell me how great I am? See, God mm. is not having an identity crisis. Mm. The whole purpose of us receiving a revelation of God is that in our revelation of God, we get a revelation of who we are. I say this many yeah. times that the revelation of God is incomplete without us getting a revelation that we are complete in him. True. You know, one day Jesus goes up to Peter and he goes, hey, Pete, who do you say that I am? It wasn't because Jesus was having a bad day and he's like, Mone, tell me that I'm great. Tell me I'm awesome. No, no, Jesus is complete. He doesn't need that. But what is he doing? He's trying to bring Peter to the place of getting a revelation of God because as mm. soon as Peter gets the revelation, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Notice everybody else gave their outward opinion of what Jesus, you are Jeremiah, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets. They gave an outward opinion from information Peter gets a revelation, but what's the next thing that happens? As soon as Peter gets a revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus gives Peter a revelation of who he is. Yeah. And it is completely contrary to mm. anything that anyone who knew Peter knew him as. Yeah. He's a pebble. He's a flaky little feather. And Jesus says, no, nah, man, you're a rock. Mm. I see you as a stable, established one. And I think that's wow. what leadership truly is. It's calling the value out of people that we don't see. Rather than judging somebody and saying, you know, uh, you know, I live, I live in a city that's filled with a lot of craziness. Uh, I, 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 you know, the, the kind of people that come to our church, I, I started off as a very millennial church. So mm. in San Antonio, you know, incredibly left-leaning city with all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Yeah. Um, a a ma major agenda push from, from the secular world. My mm. church is filled with people that come from lifestyles that don't necessarily look like very good Christians. These are not people right. who know how to lift a hand in church. Mm. I can tell you today, these guys are leaders and pastors in my church. Why? Because we did not look at them and judge them based on what they were living as when they walked in or what they were doing when they walked in. Something in us said, there's, 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 there's the image of God inside of you. And I speak mm. to that. I don't speak to your actions. I speak to the potential. I speak to the value on the inside of you. You would not be who you are, Pastor Preji, if somebody didn't find you and say, hey man, let me call out the destiny on the inside of you. I'm talking yeah. to people that are listening right now. I feel this so strong that feel like they're nobodies because of a personality defect, because of their past mistakes that they have made, that people that have discounted themselves or been discounted by the church. Beloved, I was discounted by the church I think I still am being discounted by the church many times because of the message I preach. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter what the world or the church even says about you. If God says that you are who he says he is, if you can accept it, reject the lie, and all of a sudden manifest potential, personality skills, a love for people, ability to lead. Man, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher. Uh, yeah. And I... Out of that comes incredible truth, incredible value. If I can see value in people, not just influence, if I can see value, because true leadership is not just about influence, it's about calling out people's value. Wow, wow. I am personally so blessed uh, just listening to this, Pastor. Uh, you, you touched on a lot of important points on how it is necessary for us to redefine leadership. It's not just about influencing people. 
it's about giving value to them now on the same note uh you know we cannot be in that place where we give value to others where where when we've been looked down upon where we've been constantly criticized and and we've been hearing the wrong voices in our head so uh you did touch upon this so i'd like to uh, get a little bit more on this from you how important is it for us to have the right coaches or the mentors above us or people that truly believe in uh god's perspective about us not just somebody who's going to train our skills and abilities on a on a superficial level but those that will help us to find our true identity because from our identity flows the calling flows the vision flows the ministry everything so so how important is it for us to find the right mentors or coaches or leaders above us and uh you know when uh, you don't find them or or when you don't find a right you know environment how do you process that you know because that's something that many leaders especially in indian contexts they struggle with that they are in churches where people are critical of them and you know nobody values them everybody is trying to ask them to shut up and not really speak up uh, so how do you how do you help uh, process in that kind of an environment let me let me start off by laying this foundation because i think you are so right pastor peter you're so right in that you cannot fulfill your destiny without knowing your identity um it is impossible mm. to fulfill your destiny without knowing your identity and so what ends up happening is we live our entire lives trying to find our worth and our value and in the context of our christian heritage our identity comes from us connecting with the one that created us but i would say this to you to be honest i was that kid and i told you about how i traveled to bangalore all the time or yeah i was that kid in the 1990s early 90s that went from church to church looking are you my father are you my father are you going to be the one that mentors me are you the mm. one that going to take me in and I, and i went i went you know looking for that and oftentimes i think there are people that are probably listening that are saying pastor i've been looking for someone to take me and i can't seem to find a coach i can't seem to find mm. somebody to take me in i want you to know today i want you to hear me today it is vital it is beneficial to find a coach it is beneficial to find a mentor it is it is crucial to do that but even if you don't even if you don't i will take you to to king david when king david wrote psalms 23 he was specifically talking about a void in his heart when he said these words the lord is my shepherd you see you see david's wow. heart right now when you when you study the life of david you you kind of find out a couple of things number 1 his father is ashamed of him mm. historically in the jewish context when you study that carefully people go uh, you know people have said that is maybe because he was not from the same mother he must have been from a different mother now in the old jewish context a different mother is not that big of a stretch but the one thing that can bring shame in fact david says these words of himself he says in sin did my mother conceive me mm. now people say well that's talking about the original sin you know the concept of original sin does not exist in the jewish context when mm. he says in sin does my mother conceive me he was talking about the act through which he was conceived mm. was a taboo mm. and that's why when when the father when the prophet samuel says hey uh, bring out all your sons he brings out seven mm. yeah and and it's not because he was just hiding david or he forgot about david and then samuel says 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 he goes no 
the Lord says there's another one. Mm. It's like Jesse just got caught with his pants down. Mm. Something got exposed in that moment that that he did not want known. So it could be, it could be, speaking of the Jewish context, that it was an incestual relationship through which David was conceived. Mm. It's mm. not just an extramarital because that's not a big deal. They had four or five wives back then. That's not a big deal at all. So there mm. could be something when it says in sin, meaning in shame, did my mother conceive me. Mm. So here is David going through his entire life that when mm. his father, who he knows is his father, mm. doesn't even acknowledge him, doesn't yeah. even approve of him, doesn't even take him in. He's ashamed of him. And he says, do you have any sons? It's almost like you're not even a son. You're, you're you know, if I can use the B word, you know, you, mm. you don't have a dad. You don't, you're not, you're not just an orphan. You're, you're a bastard, literally. Mm. You, mm. I am ashamed of you. I don't even want to talk about you. On one end, here is David struggling to get Jesse to even affirm his existence. Yeah. We see that on his early stage of his life. The second stage of his life, he now has to deal with a guy called King Saul, who mm. Jess, who David looks up to as his father. Mm. And yet, Saul can never acknowledge, mm. perceive. And so many times, many people that are probably listening to this, and I'm going to this context, just, just hear me out, because I feel like there are people listening that are struggling with leaders and pastors, and I just feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me in that direction, where you are looking to find this pastor, this father to take you in, love on you, accept you, and all you end up getting is a spiritual father who throws a javelin at you every chance he gets. Mm. When he needs you, he uses you to come play the harp and cast out the spirit and give him peace. But mm. when it comes to acknowledging you for who you are, he will never say a word. Have you noticed how Saul knew who David was when the Goliath scene happened? People don't think about this. Mm. Saul knew David. How do, you, how do you know that? Because when Saul went through the worst torment of an evil spirit, it was David that would come into the room, play the music and cast the, the spirit out. So yeah. he knew who David was. So David, he knew it. And yet you never hear about David anywhere. Mm. until the Goliath scene happened. And so my, my encouragement to people is this. You may be with a Jesse, you may be with a Saul. Mm. It doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is if you'll be faithful to where God has placed you and who yeah. God has you under, even if it looks like one denies your existence and the other one is trying to kill you, mm. if you can be faithful to the season that God's placed you, sooner or later, there will come a Goliath who will plunge you into the fullness of your destiny. There will come a, an opportunity that will put you in the place. And I'm telling you, I'm not afraid of limelight. I am not afraid of fame. I'm not afraid of people being pushed in because the truth of the matter is, the Bible says, if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. So if you're afraid mm. of being exalted, don't humble yourself. Mm. But if you're truly walking in humility and faithfulness, God will take you. And so I'm talking to people that are feeling like, and I was that young guy. I'll be honest with you. Later, God, like in this season, God's brought a lot of leaders into my life that cover me. Mm. But for many years, I went from pastor to pastor, from leader to, are you my daddy? Are you my, that's why my whole ministry revolves around the message of identity and the father heart of God, mm. you know? Mm. And, and even, even in my own life, a lot of people tend to use terms that they call me in the name, like, like a father or a papa or, you know, mm. and I cringe every time I hear someone call me spiritual dad or I just cringe on the inside because there's this sense of what if I let you down? You know, what mm. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be the guy that fails you. Mm. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and says, Zach, what you couldn't have, mm. you naturally attract because you want to give that to people and wow. give that sense of 
I want you to be bigger than I ever, ever will be. Right. I tell my team this often when it's all been said and done. If you're not twice as much as anything I will ever be, then I failed you. I mm. want you to be everything that God. And so I, I think a coach is important. And if you do, you are blessed to have a great leader, a mm. great coach to call that out of you. But the truth of the matter is every leader will have two kinds of people in your life. Mm. Every believer, every leader will have two kinds of people in your life. Number one, you will have a Saul. And number two, you will have a Goliath. Mm. You need to have the discernment and the wisdom to know which one to honor and which one to kill. Yeah. The funny thing is both of them are trying to kill you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. That's and, crazy, and yet yeah. you have to have the discernment to know which one to honor yeah. and which one to kill. Because if you honor the right one, your promotion is just around the corner. And while I do believe with all my heart and I, I say this because I live my life to coach, to mm. value, mm. to exalt and to give a platform for many people. Um, if you don't have that, the key to it is being faithful to where God's placed you. Oh, I hate this pastor. He doesn't see who I am. Be faithful to him. Mm. Oh, this boss, he's, he's just, he's, he's give promotion to everybody else, but he gives it to me. Be faithful because your promotion does not come from the boss or your spiritual father. The Lord is my shepherd i shall not want amen amen that that's so powerful on that note pastor zach you did mention if you uh, could share the story of how you did become the worship pastor in, in pastor john's church uh, <laughs> how, that you started at the the bottom and how did you reach there we'd love to know because so often we think that it's about you know starting on the top starting up there uh, but you know sometimes god honors and values our faithfulness in little things so we'd oh, love to know absolutely your story. the year was 1999 i um i left hyderabad and left the assemblies of god to go to pune um, in pune is where god really uh, took my ministry to heights that i could never imagine now as a minister in india you know it's it's quite a it's quite a ladder climb uh to get um, appreciated or even um, affirmed you know there's there's the there's the battle between the senior leaders and the younger leaders and there's always that looking down and there's a and so it takes a while to get credibility to to finally people say you know what this guy's got something mm. I was that kid after six seven years of struggling in India 99 2000 2001 finally God you know took the ministry to a whole new level for me uh, opened doors all over the Middle East at that point. And, you know, back in India, going to the Middle East was the international the international stage, right? Yeah. And so doors opened, God's doing amazing things, miracles happening. The ministry started to explode. I'm traveling crazy schedules. Um, during that time, the Lord moves my sweet wife Priscilla to, to America. And uh, she came to America to do her postdoc. She's a molecular biologist. Mm. Uh, she came to do her postdoc here in San Antonio, Texas. Um, and uh, when she came here, the deal was when you go to America, honey, don't give in to the American way. Don't fall for the American lifestyle. We're called as missionaries. She's a missionary child too. We're called as missionaries and God wants us to come back to India and serve India. So don't fall for that. One day she calls me and she says, honey, the Lord spoke to me. And for whatever reason, I don't know if this is true in your, in your life too, Pastor Priji, these women have a direct line to the voice of God than we do. And uh, they hear a lot faster than we do. And, uh, and she calls me and she says, honey, the Lord spoke to me and said that you're supposed That's to true. be in America and you're supposed to move to the US. 
And me being a man of God that hears God on a regular basis, I spoke to her and I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I said, you heard from the devil, honey. I told you not to fall for that American thing. You're going to get tempted and want to be in America. This is where God wants us to suffer. And she said, babe, fine. I don't like it here. I don't like it here. But I'm telling you what I heard God say. So she said, I want you to hear God for yourself. And mm. if God says no, it's over. I won't discuss it. I'll move to India. We'll be married and live happily in India. Mm. I said, okay. I was in Coimbatore at that time in the year 2001. And I'm in Coimbatore in a, in a training conference, being trained for apologetics and leadership and all this thing. During that time, I said, you know what, God, I'm going to go on a, on a little fast and seek the Lord. And man, within two to three days, random people who don't even believe in prophecy are walking up to me and saying, hey, man, God gave me a dream last night. And in my dream, the Lord said, go tell Zach he's going to the U.S. <laughs> random people walking up to me telling me, hey, man, God is saying you need to go to the U.S. God's opening it. And then all of a sudden I see this vision. In my vision, the Lord shows me this very large church. And in this church was 12 doors. And mm. in the, uh, inside the church was a big red carpet. I see a huge stage, a big, and they see this big preacher standing on there and preaching. And on the top, I saw the words Cornerstone Church. Uh, and the Lord spoke to me and said, you will go to this church and you will serve for a season until I release you into your ministry. Mm. Oh, I said, God, I hate when that woman is right all the time. You know, <laughs> now I have to call her, humble myself and say she was right. Yeah. Um, I called Priscilla and I said, honey, the Lord spoke to me. And she sa he said, yes, you, uh, I'm going to go to the U.S. He says, what else did he say? He said, I'm going to be at this church called Cornerstone. My wife says, no, no, honey, no. I said, why? What's wrong? She goes, it's not like the churches we're used to. It's very traditional. It's very structured. It's a very organized church. I said, babe, that's what God said. She said, fine, okay. We prayed about it. We got married on Feb 14th of 2002. Feb 28th, I was in America. Hmm. Feb 28th, I was in America. Now, I had to leave all the ministry that I had built up, all the events, everything, gave up everything, moved to a new country where nobody knew me, nobody's heard of me, nothing. The first day we landed in this country, I said, Priscilla, I want to go see this church. It was 2 a.m. And she goes, babe, it's 2 in the morning. We had a little broken down, busted car that ran on, on faith, then gas back then. And <laughs> we went to this place and she, she shows me she drives for 45 minutes and shows me these really big buildings at 2 in the morning. I said, honey, 2 in the morning is not the time to show me sightseeing buildings. She goes, no, baby, the big building is the church. I said, my God, I have never seen a building this big as a church and look like a mall. Hmm. And I said, God, it's going to take me so long to do anything here. So what I did is I immediately contacted the church the next day. And I said, hey, guys, do you have any openings? You can't just call and say, the Lord has called me to serve here. Open the doors. You know, you have to just start at the beginning. The church said, no, we have no openings for you. We're full. This between Cornerstone Church and John Hagee Ministries is over 700 employees. Mm, okay, so it's mm. not a, employees, not staff, not, not right. members, employees. Right. And I'm trying to get a job. Nothing is available. So I called John Hagee Ministries and I said, hey, do you guys have something available? And they said, you know what? Um, yes, you can come answer the phone on the prayer line. Mm. And they said, give us your paperwork. I said, I have no paperwork. It takes time for the papers to come. I'm going to I'm gonna have to work for free. And I did that. I worked for free answering prayers, prayer, prayer calls. It was a crazy job. I had to work in the middle of the night, drive all the way, no money, wasn't making money, doing it for free. Suddenly the, 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 the department head comes and says, hey man, I love your work ethic. Can I make you, can you oversee this department? I said, sure I can. Now I'm getting promoted in that place. I'm overseeing the prayer line. In the middle of that, I get a call from the shipping and handling department. They say, hey man, we love how you're working. Can you come work in the shipping and handling department? So I go to work in the shipping and handling department. 
in the shipping and handling department, I get another promotion there. <clears throat> During that time, the maintenance guys call me and they say, hey, dude, <clears throat> we love how you're working. Can you come work in the maintenance department? Pastor Preji, in the maintenance department, I clean the toilet. I have never cleaned wow. the toilet in India in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm cleaning toilets. I am packaging things. This is the great man of God from India with a big ministry that moved to America. And now he's cleaning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the funny thing, a lot of Indian pastors and leaders and prophets who were so upset that I was leaving India would call me and say, you are going to, you're walking away from your call. You are giving up the call of God. And they were so upset with me. And I'm like, man, this looks like what these guys said. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the middle of that, a lady comes up and says, uh, hey, uh, Zach, I, I heard that you led worship. I saw a video of you leading. The last thing I did in India before I came was I led worship for the Paul Yongicho crusade in Pune. Mm, mm. Um, and I was the guy they would call for all the crusades. So I would mm. go preach for all the large crusades and I would sing. Uh, and I said, yeah, I, I don't like it as, I don't like leading worship as much, but I, you know, yeah, I've, I've sung before and I play the guitar. And she goes, okay. And she introduced me to this lady and this lady says, Zach, why don't you come and sing a couple of songs at our women's Bible study? Hmm. And, um, and we'll see how that goes. And I said, great, God, you sent me all the way from India to move to America to sing at a women's Bible study with 150 old women. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I did it. I did it. And as I started to sing, the power of God hit that place like a rocket. And wow. people started getting healed and delivered all over the place. The lady says, who are you? Where are you from? What's going on? I did that for a while. Word started to spread. Pastor John Hagee one day told me, he said, boy, it's a good thing you started with a women's fellowship. Because if you started with a men's fellowship, you'd still be doing it and nobody would have heard of you. But because you started a women's fellowship, word started to spread like wildfire around the church. So now I'm still cleaning toilets during the day. I mean, during the night, but I'm leading worship for these women's meeting during the day. Hmm. Word started to spread. I got called here. I got called there for eight to nine months. I'm cleaning toilets. I'm shipping and handling. I'm doing prayer line and I'm leading worship. Wow. One day, Pastor Hagee's son walks into the room, sees me from a distance and he calls me into his office. He goes, I don't know who you are, but I'm starting a new service called Joshua's Generation. And I need you to lead worship for me. I was like, let me pray about that. Amen. Yes. You know, um, I started leading, leading worship there. The word started to spread about a year later, a year later. I was leading worship at an event called an encounter and the power of God hit that place so powerfully. I didn't think much of it because God was moving in every service, Mm, but I didn't mm. think much of it. But this one was the one that the word went straight to John Hagee. My phone rings, I answer it uh, and it's Pastor John Hagee and I freaked out. And he says, I don't know who you are, boy, and I don't know what you're doing in this country, but I feel like God brought you to America for me. He says, what are you doing this Sunday? You have to understand the music department is 200 people. Wow. Mm. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a large church. This is a very big, successful ministry. And he calls me and he says, I think God sent you to America for me. He said, this Sunday, I want you to come and lead worship. Mm. And, you know, in, in his mind, in his old traditional mind, he said, I want you to sing the same songs, the same way you sang it at that event when the power of God happened. Because if you sing the same songs the same way, the same thing will happen in the service too. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, for, we know that's not how it works, but I do what I, I obeyed my pastor and I did it. Hmm. And uh, the power of God showed up. Monday morning, I was calling the office and he says, uh, I'm starting a whole new ministry. I'm starting a whole new department. You're going to be the worship leader of this church. Hmm. And uh, my life changed overnight. The funny thing is right before that, my wife had lost her visa. We were supposed to go back to India right wow. before this call came. Wow. This call comes in and I'm like, pastor, I don't have a visa. I can't work for you. He says, what's a visa? And the next thing you know, John Hagee makes one phone call to Washington, D.C. Two days later, I have a religious visa stamped on my desk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's very, very, very influential in this country. Wow. Um, To the point where that's how that door opened. 
And for seven years, um, I had the joy of leading worship and developing a school of worship there and um, had a great time for seven years at Cornerstone Church until the Lord spoke to me about leaving in 2009. So that's my shortened version mm. of how God brought me here. <laughs> wow, wow. That, that, that you, you know, you can see the hand of God all throughout the journey. Uh, and uh, that's, that's so beautiful, Pastor. We are enjoying learning from you tonight. And uh, I'm sure that many people have questions. They would love to interact with you. What's the best way if one of our listeners want to get in touch with you and receive from you more? What's the best way they can do that? Uh, you can contact me on Instagram uh, at Zach Cherian or on Twitter at Zach Cherian. Um, and that's the best way to contact me on there. Amazing, amazing. Pastor, will you please take a moment to just pray for us and all the listeners and uh, just speak whatever the Lord has laid on your heart? I would love to. I would love to. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity um, to talk with Pastor Preji today. I thank you for the opportunity that uh, we don't believe in happenstances. And Lord, there is something happening even as I'm speaking because there's something powerful about the Word of God. There's something mm. powerful about truth. And the truth that we know will always set us free. And I believe there's a setting free that's happening in the minds of people, in the hearts of people. Yes. Lies that, yes. that many of our listeners have believed about themselves, that they're not enough, that they're not good enough, that they're defined by their past, by the choices they have made, mm. or by what the mm. world or even sometimes the church says about us. But Lord, mm. I thank you that truth is being revealed. Value is being revealed. Value is being released in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray especially for this podcast and Pastor Priji and his, his ministry, what he is called to do. Lord, I see the heart of God. I see the Father heart of God in him. I mm. see the potential to want to serve and to bless people. I pray in the name of Jesus today, by the word of God, that you are expanding the reach of this podcast. You're expanding the reach of this man of God. Mm. You are taking him to places he's never been to. You are, you are stretching the borders. And mm. Father, I thank you for a lot, of, a lot of what's been happening in the last few months has, has just been the birthing pang, the birth pangs of a, of, yes. of a delivery that's about to come, a, a baby that's about to be born, a, a releasing of purpose, of destiny, of something that, that God is birthing through this man of God and through his network. And I thank you, O oh God, for, for the eruption that's happening, the rumbling that has taken place this far, but mm. an eruption that is happening right now. And this eruption yes. will bring great and much fruit. I thank you yes. that this eruption of this volcano is creating a whole new landform, a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of operating. And I thank you, O oh God, for, for what you are doing through him, through his ministry, his wife, his family in Bangalore and around the world. But I pray specifically for the dear listeners that are watching, that are listening right now, that you are releasing faith. It's not our faith. It's the faith of God. You are releasing hope. Yeah. And for those yes. who have had hope deferred, which has made the mm. heart grow weary, where they've given up on dreams, dreams are coming back to life today. I thank Amen. you, Holy Spirit, Amen. that dreams are coming back to life. That which they gave up on is coming back. Those yes. that have failed, God is giving them a new chance. Your mercies are yes. new every morning. The grace of God abounds yes. where sin abounds. And I thank you, O oh God, that yes. you're releasing purpose and destiny into the hearts and minds of our dear listeners today. That nobody's watching Amen. or listening by accident. But today, I thank you, O oh God, that as I've been speaking, hope is coming alive. As I've been speaking, faith is coming alive. Dreams are coming back. I thank you, O oh God, that you are doing this today in this place. And I just bless this podcast and the listeners and Pastor Priji. 
I give you glory for what you're doing. Thank you, O oh God, that there's no accidents, that destiny is being released, that today on this call, on this call are people that will change the world, game changers, history makers, Amen. destinies are yes. being revealed. I thank you, O oh God, that you're doing that, that it will happen, that there is nothing too small, nobody too ordinary, mm. nobody too introvert, nobody yes. left out. All things are possible to those that believe. I believe it. I receive it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Hope you were blessed. Do visit pastorpriji.com slash podcast to subscribe for more resources related to leadership and various topics.